Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 878. Our thoughts again this week with the people of Ukraine and their fight against the Vladimir Putin onslaught. Meanwhile, the folks from Tucson Audubon are doing something tangible to help. As we mentioned last week, our friend Olya Weekly put together a program spotlighting the birds of Ukraine, her home country. And it features a fundraising component for humanitarian aid for Ukraine. If you missed the live presentation, you can still see it on YouTube. Just look there for Tucson Audubon, and you can find the presentation very easily. And also how to donate if you wish to do that. We've been hearing a lot lately from the Sunshine State by way of avian audio postcards from our Freya McGregor and from listeners that Freya has inspired to create their own audio postcards. And that continues today from another part of Florida. Take it away, John Middleton and friend. Good morning. John Middleton here with Four Rivers Audubon in north central Florida. This morning, I'm in Lafayette County, Florida, where over the last week or so, hooded warblers have returned to their breeding grounds. It's said that the males have really high sight fidelity, which means they come back to the same spots to breed year after year. If that's so, the one singing in the background may be the same bird I recorded and photographed here a year ago. I hope they're singing in your neighborhood that you'll enjoy these beautiful birds soon. Good birding. Bye-bye from Florida. Thank you, John. By the way, John sent us a gorgeous photo that he took of that hooded warbler in full-throated song, and you can see it on our Talking Birds Facebook page. And that is another bird. That would be our mystery bird. It's a little preview here of our mystery bird contest coming along in just a bit. Our mystery bird is a very small but large-headed bird of dry western mountain evergreen forests. It's black and white on the head and gray over the rest of its body with a small bill, a long narrow tail and rounded wings, distinguished from its close relatives by a white stripe over the eye. Our bird often hangs upside down as it feeds on insects, spiders, conifer seeds, and berries. It also gleans food from tree bark and foliage. Clues there and the sound of our mystery bird. The contest coming along in a little bit, but we want to kind of get you ready for that so that we'll get our calls in quickly and actually have time for our contest, which is a kind of a big plus. Here's the prize list, a $15 certificate for Beautio Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. And a 12-ounce bag of delicious bird-friendly shade-grown birds and beans coffee. 
grown under the natural forest canopy to preserve habitat for birds wintering in the tropics and heading back north in the spring. And we have a bonus question prize if we have time for our bonus question from our friends at Wisdom Supply and those wonderful plastic-free notebooks and such for office and school. That's all uh, on our mystery bird contest. Here's our conservation quick quiz question of the week. What large, important organization just issued a statement on the benefits of switching to electric cars? Give up? It's the American Lung Association, which on March 29th released a report stating that a nationwide transition to clean, zero-emission vehicles would have a dramatic impact on the air quality and health of Americans. The report is called Zeroing In on Healthy Air, and it reveals that a widespread transition to vehicles powered by clean electricity would result over the next 30 years in up to 110,000 avoided deaths and $1.2 trillion in public health benefits across the U.S. There's more about it. They have a lot more to say. You can find a link on our TalkingBirds.com website right now. Another double salute to uh, more of the royalty of our Talking Birds listening audience, our ambassadors who are helping us get the word out about the show and about birds and conservation. And thank you to Kelly Garner from Gibsonville, North Carolina. She says, as a beginning birder, I enjoy the bird facts each week and love to guess at the mystery bird. Thank you, Kelly. And thanks for the kind comments about the show. And thank you to Julie Hillier from nearby Mattapoisett, Massachusetts who listens to Talking Birds on our affiliate station, WOMR, 92.1 FM in Provincetown. Thank you, Julie and Jack. Well, Julie and Kelly are the latest members of the royalty of our family. We once again invite all Talking Birds listeners to become ambassadors. Help us spread the word about birds and conservation. Being an ambassador is easy, and so is becoming one. Just click on the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come in our show today, we'll talk with Andrew Coughlin from Birds Canada about an exciting program to help maintain nesting and roosting sites for the threatened chimney swift. Plus, we'll connect with Mike O'Connor at the famous Bird Watchers General Store for a Let's Ask Mike Live segment. Some advice on nesting materials out in your backyard. And up next, a bird that's singing a new song is today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. It was just always... Okay, we're going to go to plan B and do it this way. Beatles songs evolved over the years from tunes like this... Songs like this. Well, sometimes birds' songs evolve too. Take today's featured feathered friend, the white throated sparrow. It was 20 years ago today, well, roughly speaking, that some folks west of the Canadian Rockies started noticing that that familiar, oh sweet Canada, Canada, Canada 
or Old Sam Peabody, Peabody, Peabody song was often clipped and sounded instead like Oh Sweet Canna or Old Sam Peabody or sometimes sounded like even shorter remakes of the original. Some white-throated sparrows have a white crown, others a tan-colored crown, and it turns out that individuals almost always mate with the bird of the opposite color pattern. This difference persists because males of both color morphs prefer females with white stripes, and both kinds of females prefer males with tan stripes. In the U.S. and Canada, you can see the white-throated sparrow pretty much here, there, and everywhere, except for some parts of the American West and Southwest. And although we may find the shortened version of the song a bit confusing, if we listen carefully, we can work it out. It's today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, Zonotrichia albicollis, the white-throated sparrow. Welcome again to our show number 878 and a reminder of that uh, what we hope familiar website we invite you to visit. That's TalkinBirds.com. Well, chimney swifts are in decline here in the U.S. and in even deeper trouble in Canada. We're about to learn about that Canadian status and about a new Birds Canada program called the Chimney Swift Chimney Restoration Fund with our special guest Andrew Coughlin. Andrew is Quebec Regional Director for Birds Canada and is a biologist with a wide range of experience working with birds. He was born in England and has lived in Quebec since 1996. Before taking up his current position, he worked for 10 years as a research officer at Laval University. Before that, in England, he worked for the Wild Fowl and Wetlands Trust and the Zoological Society of London. He's also a member of the Quebec Breeding Bird Atlas Management Committee and the Scientific Committee of the Bird Observatory of Tadoussac and Secretary of the Bailey Fund for Bird Research and Preservation. And he joins us now from Quebec City. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Ray. Thank you very much for inviting me in today to talk about our new program, the Chimney Swift uh, Chimney Restoration Fund. Mm-hmm. Well, it's wonderful to have you. When we connected here on Zoom this morning, you had such a big smile and thought it was because you were meeting me there, but it was really because you were listening to Saw Wet Owls last night. You were pretty excited about that, I could tell. Yes, I was I was very, very lucky last night. I was visiting friends, and they've got a nice woodlot on their land, and there was a calling sawwit owl, which was just spectacular to listen to. Mm-hmm. Well, the bird we're focusing on this morning here is the Chimney Swift, and per Birds Canada website, in fact, uh, there's been a 90% decline in this species since uh, 1970, quite a lot more than here in the U.S. Well, I guess we can figure out what some of that decline is about, but what uh, what are the main things? A lot of the sort of reasons behind the decline of this species are linked to habitat loss and loss of the, the food prey basis because they're aerial insectivores. So they're, they're, they're a species that... Are sort of heavily affected by the use of pesticides and reduced insect populations across their range on the breeding grounds, wintering grounds, and on the area through which they migrate in the spring and the fall. And a problem they're sharing with lots of other bird species, right, that we know. Definitely, definitely, with a, a, all of the, the whole group of aerial insectivores mm-hmm. are in 
it's steeply climbed because of that. And there's also the the problem linked to the the loss of nesting and roosting sites mm-hmm. across their range. And that's what we're talking about here, the Chimney Swift Chimney Restoration Fund. So Birds Canada is trying to do something about this problem and that last, uh, you know, uh, reason there uh, or issue that you talked about. What is what is this program? The program provides matched funds to people with basically brick or stone chimneys that were built probably before the 1960s that are being used by chimney swifts as nesting and roosting sites. This is a species that in the past used to use hollow trees Mm -hmm. for roosting and nesting. It's a species that can't perch on branches, so it needs a vertical surface to, to perch on and to construct its nest. And they... This species switched from using trees to using chimneys in the past. And today, a lot of the older chimneys that they use are in a sort of a poorer state of repair. Mm-hmm. Often they're weather degraded and are in need of maintaining to keep them open and accessible for the species in across their range. So what is it about the 1960s, uh, the different kinds of bricks started being it, used? It was the way that chimneys were constructed. They seemed to have a better thermal property for chimney swifts hmm. so they seem to favor those old slightly older chimneys so when people would uh, take part in this program what would what would they actually what would happen to their chimneys what would the what would the work be the idea a lot of the sort of repairs that are needed uh, sort of repointing of bricks or replacing of damaged bricks on the chimney stack and the fund will help pay for those for those necessary repairs. Mm-hmm. So this is a new program, but I think you have a deadline for this year for folks to take part in um, April 21st? It's an April 21st deadline this year. It's, as it's the first year of the program, we may be able to be a little bit more flexible, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a funding program that's supported by uh, one of our partners, um, Environment and Climate Change Canada, the, it's a, a federal government department. Mm-hmm. So that, that's... Yeah, sorry. And I was going to say we've got a, a, a committee that are that are helping to evaluate the proposals, and they're made up mm-hmm. of partners from across the, the species breeding range in in Canada. So this uh, must have been kind of a game changer when you got that kind of support, obviously, for this program. It, it's superb. It's a new the 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 Chimney Swift Recovery Strategy has just been published by the the federal government, and it one of the the sort of key aims is to maintain chimneys that are identified as critical habitat for this species mm-hmm. across their range. So the first sort of chimneys that we're going to focus on, sort of funding repairs on, will be those chimneys that are sort of featured as critical habitat. Mm-hmm. And the fund is open to other other chimneys that are used by the species. So if I were in Canada and I wanted to yes. take part in this program, what, what would I do? Um, the easiest thing is to visit our, our website at birdscanada.org and then there's a tab about us with funding opportunities and you can visit the website and look. you can read through the, the web page and have access to the guidelines and to the application forms. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we'll give so that. Web- very, very straightforward. And that would be birdscanada.org? Yes. And we'll uh, give that website address again uh, before we... Uh, wrap up here. So financial help available for folks who um, want to make their chimneys hospitable for the Swifts. How about uh, folks that maybe don't want to participate officially uh, but maybe still want to help the birds? What might you say to them? 
there are lots of things that people can do to help chimney swifts. Um, if you've got a chimney that you think might be being used by chimney swifts, please don't light a fire between May and September <laughs> okay. um, when the birds might be nesting there. Try to avoid having your chimney sweep swept during these periods as well. Mm -hmm. And sort of repair works, the repair work that we'll be funding will be carried out outside the sort of the period when these birds are likely to be roosting or nesting in, in these chimneys. And then other sort of simple things. If you've got a chimney, an older brick chimney, please think about, and you're changing your heating systems, please think about sort of looking at other possible ways of modifying your heating system without capping your chimney. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it isn't always essential to cap a chimney if you're changing your heating system. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you have a chimney with a metal liner, I guess as many people do now, maybe that's a whole different thing, right, in terms of capping the chimney. Definitely. If you've got a, a sort of metal liner in your chimney, if this creates a sort of... Chimney swifts need a rough surface on which they can, can roost and construct their nest. With a metal liner in the chimney... The, the surface is just too slippery, and if a bird enters, it'll it'll it won't be able to get out again. Mm -hmm. So chimneys with metal liners really should be capped or have a, a a grid across the top of them. We were just talking the, this morning. I was talking with Mike O'Connor, who will be on the show a bit later, as he is every week, uh, about the idea of whether you could uh, kind of have both. If you want to keep raccoons, for example, out of your chimney, you might want to have a cap on there. Is anybody making one that you can? open and then close again on seasonally? two ways <laughs> to overcome that problem. There are some people that install caps at certain periods of the year and then remove them when the chimney swifts are coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, they take off the cap in sort of late April, early May and leave it off until September, mm -hmm. October and then put it back on to stop sort of mm -hmm. raccoons coming down into the chimney Um certainly for the winter and for the winter period mm -hmm. and then there are other people there are some new models of of chim of caps for chimneys that are actually sort of on legs if you like mm -hmm. which in theory would allow chimney swifts if they're high enough would allow chimney swifts to come in uh -huh. while also stopping sort of mm -hmm. rain for coming down into the chimneys so i don't need to create that invention then when the one that it's <laughs> open <laughs> andrew coughlin is quebec regional director for birds canada and more info about the chimney swift chimney restoration fund can be found at birdscanada.org by the way do you think of this as a project that others will emulate or any sign of that i haven't heard of any other sort of groups that are wanting to emulate it but it, it would be a great thing to put in place across the whole of the breeding range just to ensure that those chimneys that they're now using um, are kept open and accessible for mm -hmm. the species mm -hmm. in, the, in the sort of short and long term future. So. Indeed. Andrew, thanks for your amazing work. I know you're involved with a lot of other projects so I will invite you right now to come back <laughs> on the show here soon and tell us about some of them. I'd love to do that, and thank you ever so much for inviting us in today. Andrew Coughlin here on Talking Birds. Up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor... You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com. B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com. 
My name is Tanya Giannani, and I'm from Arlington, Virginia. I like being a talking bird ambassador because it lets me share with others my enthusiasm about birds, and also, in particular, when someone asks me a question, hey, what do you like about birding, or how do you do birding, I have a great way to share with them because I can share with them the show. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our Ambassadors family. It's easy to do. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Join today, and thanks. Michael Cotter is down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, but we haven't connected with him yet. We're, we're dealing with other problems. <laughs> just a couple of little technical things there, but we'll get him on the line here in just a moment to talk about... Uh, what you can do for nesting materials if you're trying to uh, activate some nest boxes or a nest box in your yard. What are the good things to use and what are the things that aren't so good? Mike will have some insight uh, on that for us. And then we'll be back to our mystery bird contest and giving away those beautiful prizes from Beauty of Books and Birds and Beans Coffee. That'll be after the Mike O'Connor Let's Ask Mike live segment, which begins right now. Good morning, Mike. I don't hear any music. What the heck? Oh, you missed the music. Yeah. Can we play the music? No, we can't play it again. I'm sorry. We will, uh, all right. We'll send you a cassette. You can play it uh, <laughs> cassette later. cassette would be good. Now or, I just need something to play the cassette on. Unless, uh, unless you still want to use your 8-track, because I know you generally use that. But, uh, <laughs> we'll get that out to you. So, Mike, right. I, just, I just teased the idea of what you were going to talk about here in terms of nesting materials for birds some things are really good to use and other things that people might think are good maybe not so much yeah this came um from your uh one of your favorite listers andre up there in canada and um she wanted to know what material that's used in and sorry i'm clearing my throat the music got me choked up um (laughs) The, the the important thing when, when you're putting out nesting material, and a lot of people like to do that kind of towards this time of year, where the birds are setting up their nest their nest sites, and uh, they'll, they'll they'll need nesting material to like make a liner for the nest to help build their nest. And you know, and historically they've been able to find it, but it's kind of fun to put a few things out that the birds can use. And there's a few precautions that you shouldn't use. You shouldn't use anything that's artificial. Like I know Easter's coming up in a few weeks, and I know people either on purpose will put some of that fake Easter grass outside, or they'll yeah. do it just they're sloppy with it, and they don't put it. And the birds will use that for the nest. Artificial stuff isn't the best. They get they can get tangled in it, and also plastic material that they might, especially Orioles and birds that build hanging nests, will build a nest with that tends to fall apart a lot quickly and the birds lose the whole nesting season when the nest falls apart later so avoid artificial stuff um uh, the best things are natural fibers animal fur is good if you have a pet that you don't treat with uh any kind of tick or flea powder or any of those things you know if you if you uh you know, brush your dog. I know one lady is golden retriever. She brushes the dog and she saves it and we give it to the customers and they put it out and the chickadees love it. But if she ever treats the animal, then she doesn't do it. You can't put out treated for it. That's not, you know, that's not good at all. Dry lint, people sometimes put that out. That's kind of gets the thumbs down because we have too many soaps and fabric softeners mm-hmm. in a dry lint. And some of them, all those fibers are artificial, so they kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of come out against those. That gets uh, kind of you, a, doesn't that get sort of matted too if it gets wet? If, it if does. Tried, it doesn't uh, hold up as well as you would think it would. Yeah. It, it breaks down and it holds the moisture. It ends up not being a good idea. We used to put out um, uh, 
pieces of uh, yarn for the Orioles, and there's been some pushback against that. But if you do that, just use small, short pieces, four to six inches. Um, don't put out long pieces of anything because the birds will get tangled in it. So it always has to be kind of short. Um, but the, the the most important thing is the natural stuff, wool, cotton, uh, and with the return of the tree swallows, which are coming back now, if you have a friend who raises chickens or ducks, gather up any white feathers, small white feathers, and put those out. The, the tree swallows love those, for sure. You put those out nearby, and they'll, they scoop them up. I don't know what their excitement is with the feathers, but they like those. And, and then pretty soon, the Phoebes are just returning, and the cliff swallows will be coming back, and the robins seem like they're always here. If you have a patch that you can keep moist of mud, they'll like that. They'll use that to build their, their mud nests with or the mud foundations. So if you have a bucket of water, you can just, just a little patch that you can keep wet all the time. I remember going by a mud puddle once up in, uh, I think I was in Vermont or someplace, and it was just probably 30 or 40 cliff swallows just zipping down, grabbing mouthfuls of mud. Hmm. So if you can kind of create that in your garden or a little patch in your yard, that would be also be a good thing to uh, to use. All, but keep it natural. Keep the plastic artificial uh, or any treated material away, and then and, and the birds will be great. All right, got it. And we thank our friend Andre up in Quebec again uh, for uh, for this idea for this. Uh, she comes up t- with the best ideas up there in Canada. She, maybe she knows that treat uh, chimney swift guy. Well, well, that that was the other thing. That was actually through her that we got our guest Andrew Coughlin this morning. Yeah. She's, She's in charge oh. of everything around. <laughs> She's the best. Thank you, Mike. Okay, talk to you next week. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. It's the Mystery Bird Contest. Give a little listen to my bird. Joe is in New London, Connecticut. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Ray. Good, good to hear from you, Joe. Is that still the big submarine building situation down there? It is indeed, yes. That's the big Lots of submarines around here. Yeah, New London, Connecticut. So let's see. Mystery bird, uh, Joe, you heard the clues and all that. What do you say? I'm going to go with mountain chickadee. Mountain chickadee is right. Nice job there. Very similar to uh, other chickadee species. I guess that kind of a white stripe over the eye is really what's uh, distinguishing it. And, of course, the sound is different from other chickadee species as well, but um, similar. So, nice job on that, and maybe if we have time, I think, Joe, to do a mystery bird um, bonus question, if you'd like to uh, try that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
a newly discovered plant species. This is not, again, a directly bird question, but a conservation environment question. Newly discovered plant species has been named for a famous person who's been honored before for environmental work. What is the plant? Is it A, the Thunberg tree, named for Greta Thunberg? The DiCaprio tree, named for Leonard or Leonardo DiCaprio? The McKibben blueberry, named for Bill McKibben? Or the Daryl Hannah... Uh, banana, which would be a, just a silly uh, choice there, but what do you think? I think I'm going to go with the Thunberg tree. The Thunberg tree for Greta Thunberg. That is a totally logical answer. Uh, uh, she should have a tree named after her. She should. We'll have to work on that. It's actually the DiCaprio tree, named for Leonardo DiCaprio, who's done lots of wonderful environmental work. Scientists from the Royal Botanic Gardens in the United Kingdom said they would uh, uh, name that new tree species after Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, But uh, you've won the Mystery Bird Contest uh, in any case, Joe, so stay on the line and we'll make arrangements to send that stuff to you. Great. Thanks, Ray. Thank you, Joe. In New London, Connecticut, correctly identifying the mountain chickadee. Before we go, just an invitation to join our Talking Birds flock. It's a little conversation place for Talking Birds listeners. It's a Facebook group. Just go to Facebook.com and look for Talking Birds flock. That's our show for this week. Thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, Special Assistant Audrey Stack, Producing Engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.